Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I find it disconcerting. There will be an appropriate time and a place to review policy. What does this rapporteur even do? The liberals and conservatives want to play a political game and score points. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. You're actually sharing half of the story. Lies, 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 yeah. I think this is a problem that's bigger than just a minister resigning. There's a culture in this government where multiple ministers have had serious allegations of not properly reading emails. Uh, not just the Minister of Public uh, Safety now, but the previous Minister of Public Safety, uh, it's, been, it's been revealed by CSIS that he was also advised of uh, the risk to their member of Parliament, Mr. Chong. There's Jagmeet Singh, who was asked about Marco Mendicino. Won't pull the government down on this, but uh, seems to understand there's a culture of ministers not having a clue what's going on in their ministry. Let us bring in Tom Korski, managing editor of Black Locks Reporter, who's been pointing this out for a while. Hey, Tom. Hi, Alex. Are you going to weigh in? Uh, can you weigh in on the uh, Bernardo stuff? I mean, it's it's not just that Marco Mendicino uh, knew, or his office knew. Um, the, the prime minister's office knew, like, a few months ago, and they all just didn't bother to say anything. It's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I was I was thinking about the case, and I was thinking about cabinet's handling of the of the case, and I was thinking that uh, I know that a crown prosecutor was who was involved in that case found it a shattering experience. I know that there was mm-hmm. a member of the uh, member of the jury who years afterward testified in um, parliamentary hearings about what that case did to uh, her mental health, her marriage. Mm-hmm. Anyone who was touched by Bernardo really found it a life-altering experience. And it is, frankly, unbelievable to think that when the Commissioner of Corrections had the brains to kick this upstairs and say, just letting you know, boys, no one attached any significance to that. It's simply unbelievable. I don't know how people who are even born after the Bernardo case... Anyone who came within a block of that. It's unbelievable, Alex. It's just, it's simply unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if anyone's head's going to roll because that doesn't happen anymore. But certainly if if Mendicino goes, I, I don't see how the prime minister doesn't go because he, he knew before Mendicino. And you don't, like, this is what it's so creepy. It's like, you, you just talk about the families. You look at that camera and say it's so hard. But you knew you knew for like a week and you didn't call the families. Like, it's so, like, I don't know. Like, why would you die on the hill of Paul Bernardo? That's what I'm trying no, to it, it, it makes no sense, but it tells you about a level of yeah. a disconnection, and, and let's be frank, uh, frankly, indifference, uh, but how you can be dispassionate on the subject of Paul Bernardo when you know there have been former members of the jury who have testified mm-hmm. in tears, Alex. They have cried at parliamentary hearings when they recount their experience in simply seeing the evidence, let alone the families. Everyone gets at the commissioner of corrections who inexplicably made this ruling, but had the smarts to say, I'm not carrying this one. You decide. And then it just kind of disappears around the water cooler at cabinet. It it doesn't add up. 
No, it doesn't. But uh, as uh, Singh points out, there's this there's this thing with these ministers. They just all know enough, but just not what really needs to be known. And yeah. again, this yeah. week you get Bill Blair in the news because there's been all this testimony about, you know, from CSIS about like, did he get this memo about these threats to Mr. Chong or not? And and, and they were sent. The, CSIS made clear they sent a memo, high alert. They wanted Mr. Blair to see it. And he just, he didn't see it. I, I just somehow these memos never get to the minister. Wait, <laughs> Never. They just don't get there. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, Blair had to change his story several times and then finally said, oh, well, oh, you mean that secret memo warning that Chinese spies were harassing members of parliament, opposition members with relatives in Hong Kong? Oh, you mean that memo? Well, it didn't go mm. to my office. It went to Jerry's office. And Jerry never, he, he didn't send it on. I guess he caught his tie in the fax machine that day. You know what? I, I got a message for Chief Blair. You want to go with the idiot defense? Let me tell you something. This guy <laughs> was moving, <laughs> he was pretty spry when it came to freezing bank accounts for truck drivers. When they were going after the Freedom Convoy, Bill Blair had nothing but time but to stand in the foyer of the House of Commons and talk to any passerby while he rattled his car keys in his pocket about how the Russians were all behind the Freedom Convoy. But when it came to a real memo from a real secret agency that warned of a real threat, all of a sudden it disappeared in Jerry's office. Uh, Alex, uh, uh, how do I summarize our, <laughs> our, our take on this without using expletives? It, I, I I'm at a loss. I know there's 40,000 words in the English language. I can't think of a clean one to summarize Bill Blair's uh, handling of this. It's, it, it, it's, I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, well, it's unbelievable. That's why we don't believe it. Uh, and I will point out, I do think it's interesting, Jody Thomas, who also didn't get the memo because she went on vacation, and then I guess she's just gone into retirement like they all do. You know, this is the woman that they got their um, little piece of advice, that magical piece of advice that was outside the EA Act, that we weren't to be told about, but she was the one advising the prime minister about this national security crisis that Mendicino and Blair and all them marched out. And I'm like, maybe someone should call Jody Thomas back again and say, hey, clueless lady, can you explain what this uh, little piece of information you uh, gave to them about national security? Because they clearly don't know what national security uh, threats are. Two, two hallmarks of this cabinet, I think, and some people call this actually in very early innings after 2015, and I mean uh, long-time reporters I've known who are quite apolitical, but have been long-time observers, long, lots of coverage over the years of successive cabinets. Cabinet has two hallmarks. Number one, everything is political all the time. Never forget that. If a tree burns in Quebec, it's political. If there's a memo that gets lost, it's, it has nothing to do with public safety. The second thing mm -hmm. is they're not really good at administration because that's boring, Alex. Right? <laughs> yeah. Only little people run things like uh, minor hockey leagues or broom ball tournaments or little business. That's for losers. These are big people. These are people who run a G7 country. They just can't manage the filing cabinet. That's Bill Blair's defense. He said that with a straight face. It went to a different office. It didn't come to my office. How am I supposed to know? Oh, Chief Blair, let me take you buy your mitten strings to the filing cabinet and show you how it works. It's sad, Alex. It is sad. 
if not pathetic. I do think this, and I'll get you to explain it because you guys have covered the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank. This is something that we have uh, coughed up more than, more than $510 million. There could be higher than that now. But I don't, I've never understood why this thing was set up. I don't think they've built anything. And um, a high-ranking executive has now left the organization saying it's a toxic culture being controlled by China's communist dictatorship. And suddenly, and I don't know why she wasn't asked more about it unless it's just that the reporters are clueless. I mean, uh, Christian Freeland announced yesterday that they're putting a pause on their dealings with this uh, so she can review it. And I'm like, <laughs> review what? Why are you reviewing anything on something that has so much smoke around it? No, there's nothing to review. Sell your shares in the bank. That, that's yeah. the point. I, I don't think the reporters uh, who were questioning Freeland at the time had done a lot of research on the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank. It was sold in the day, and it was controversial, Alex. It was shoehorned into one of those famous omnibus budget bills. It was sold in the day by, remember Bill Morneau? Ah, the mm. ghost of He's under the bus, yeah. And he was uh, hauled before Senate committee. I remember that Senator Elizabeth Marshall of Newfoundland and Labrador, former provincial auditor, said, what's, what's with this business about this bank? And Morneau went with the jobs, jobs, jobs line. This was in mm -hmm. 2017. This is not ancient history. This is, you know, China, thundering economy, future, 21st century. It's going to be awesome. We want to see that the jobs are going to be just fantastic. Well... MPs and senators turned around and they started filing applications for information. And guess what they found out? There's no count of Canadian jobs for the budget accounting. As you mentioned, cabinet got a waiver to buy up to a half billion dollars worth of shares in this dog. And mm. when they were asked how many Canadian jobs resulted, their reply was, we don't know. So I blah, 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 blah. That's all, folks. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it was, I think it more had more to do with China than it had to do mm. with jobs. Yeah. Yeah, it always does. Well, <laughs> we might, likely won't get much out of it unless you guys do the digging. So uh, hopefully you do. And then, of course, we get news on Volkswagen. And this is going to cost us a hell of a lot more than we were told. And this is according to the financial watchdog, the nonpartisan watchdog. So. <laughs> How, how do we always get the dollars and cents mixed up on these massive corporate welfare announcements? Well, they were embarrassed. I think Cabinet was embarrassed by this. Really? And this is, so? this is worth watching. Well, they wouldn't disclose the figures for the longest mm -hmm. time. And they, they were disclosed piecemeal. And they let MPs on the Commons Industry Committee look at the figures. But they, <laughs> they, mm -hmm. they had to do it in a sealed room. And then the clerk, and leave all their cell phones so they couldn't take a picture. I'm not making this up. And then the clerk of the industry committee destroyed all the copies, right? It was like it was like the Manhattan Project. It was top <laughs> secret. The battery factory in St. Thomas, Ontario. Are you kidding me? And here you have the budget office saying, no, it's going to cost about 20% more than they said. Over $16 billion. That's $1.6 billion. How much yeah, is it? That's an extra $3 billion. billion. Yeah, Yikes. exactly. Yeah. And, and Christian Freeland was asked about this yesterday, and her quick answer, you know, is the is the uh, is Yves Giroud wrong? She's like, yep, like he's just yeah. wrong. I mean, every time he you know gets his numbers, and he's always wrong. No, Jesus is wrong. The opposition is wrong. The media is famously wrong. I, I, I know everyone else is wrong. Sixteen billion—that is three times the annual cost of all federal aid for all corporations from Atlantic to Pacific. For one factory in St. Thomas, mm -hmm. Ontario, I hope they enjoy it.
Yeah, no, but then don't forget Stellantis, which uh, also had to have its deal opt. We haven't even heard a, uh, I mean, anything back on that. I, I don't know what's going on, but that's I, another issue. I'm with you. Uh, listen, they were playing three-card Monty. Uh, my question is, why did VW settle for $16 billion? They could have got twenty-five. They were going to get whatever they wanted, and that's what Stellantis is negotiating now. Uh, look, at John Q. Sucker taxpayer is going to pay for it. There's always more money where that came from, Alex. I guess so. I guess we're going to feel it. But uh, And the other thing, I'm like, we're spending all this money on battery factories that probably will be outdated in the next 10 years. Like, are we even going to be driving cars in the next 15 years, 20 years, uh, Tom? Can they guarantee that? Well, you you would be led to believe that given if you read the climate change forecast and the uh, regulations on buy, uh, purchase of electric cars, the price of gas and diesel cars should be crashing. Um, I, I'm in the car market. They are not. So obviously, car guys know something that the Minister of Environment and Finance don't, don't know. Yeah. Mm. Stay tuned. All right. Uh, very much appreciate it, Tom. We will talk next week. Thanks so much. Thank you, Alex. Tom Korski, managing editor over at Blacklock's Reporter, subscription-based, but they do deliver. It is so worth your investment. Uh, and, um, yeah, they had, he has so much stuff today that I could have gone through it. It's just there's too much stuff to talk about. Not a bad thing, but there's just always something more we can dig into.